Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, doing with my co-host, Zim Huda. Zim, what's going on? What's going on? Hello, world. How y'all feeling out there today? Staying virus-free, I hope. Definitely. Definitely got to stay safe. Keep washing your hands. Stay away from large groups of people. As the coronavirus um, continues, we have kind of delved into the area where we actually have experienced some pre-agency. So I'm definitely eating some crow, and I have to give an apology to Mr. Duke Tobin and the Bengals organization. Um, you know, I was somewhat upset because at the time we hadn't made any moves. And like Zim said, I was having kind of a meltdown. And then out of nowhere, as soon as Zim tells me to take like a hiatus and just take a chill pill and calm down, I see DJ Reader to Cincinnati <laughs> as the first move, right? And then it's like Bengals aren't done yet. And this is all coming from Ian Rappaport. So I was confused at first, or I was not really confused. I was excited because Ian Rappaport was the one that reported that the Bengals were going to be active in free agency. I played that clip on the last episode. Whoa. And then they come right behind it and snatch Trey Waynes. Um, and then they kind of grab a guy that I'm not even really familiar with, the Xavier Sula, whatever his name is. I don't even know what his name is. But um, basically a backup guard from the Cowboys. Uh, they cut a couple of players, uh, or actually they cut one player. They cut, uh, what's the guy's name that we signed from the Bills, them? Cordy Glenn? Not Cordy Glenn. They did cut Cordy Glenn, but they also cut uh, the other John guy. John Miller? John Miller. Thank you, thank you. I was calling him Williams on my own channel, and people were giving me hell about it. And I said, well, if he wasn't a bum, then I'd probably know his actual name. <laughs> you know, I didn't think he was a bum. He was he was more than serviceable. when he. But most of the last year, I felt like he played through a couple of different injuries. He, did, he didn't fit the scheme, what they were trying to do, though. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a, a pretty harsh. I mean, Billy Price is a bum, so he was – He's a bum. He was, I guess, a serviceable guy. He was almost homeless, though. But apparently he was decent enough to get picked back up, I think, by the Carolina Panthers. Um, and then, you know, Mackenzie Alexander gets signed, and, you know, that was one of the best signings uh, that the Bengals had for me. But I guess going in, Zim, let's recap, because um, we haven't really given our thoughts on the signings. And I know that when we last talked, um, you talked about Javon Hargrave, um, who was a, a nose tackle. Um, he signed with the Eagles, but then we got a nose tackle e anyway in DJ Reader. Um, and also Andrew Billings left as a um, effect of this as well. What were your thoughts on uh, us signing DJ Reader, and what kind of impact do you think that he's going to have? DJ Reader to me um, kind of goes hand-in-hand -hand with – first of all, shout-out to Ace being a stand-up guy, guys. Like, I think a lot of guys, like, don't want to – Ace is really good at that. Uh, he's been stand up in the sense of he's he's definitely eating that and just saying like, "Hey, look, that's on me, guys." And I want to commend him for that T to even start off the show like fresh off the thing because a lot of people don't forget about it. But there's a couple jackasses that are probably listening and saying, "Yeah, what do you think about that, Ace?" And I'm not that guy. I'm just sitting here saying like, I think it's very commendable for you to leave with that, like the fact that you were a little off the Bengals train, and rightfully so. It's just, it's always about marrying people's expectations with reality to me. And my expectations maybe weren't as high. So when they signed DJ Reader that you just asked me about, it, it to me, free agency could have ended <laughs> right there. <laughs> right. Like, for me, because 
DJ Reader was my number one defensive tackle. The only reason why I had Hargrave so high is because I felt like, until I saw his contract, I felt like he was like the high level. It, it kind of matched up with the Ian Rappaport thing was saying. It's like, they're going to be very active, not going to get the tier one guy. I consider him friends tier one, tier two. Right. So I was like, if that's a guy, that's a guy. Like, if we're going to extend the life of Geno Atkins and make this defense formidable, uh, like a, a force, and then take some of the pressure pressure off and some of the onus off of this linebacker core that they've yet to, to finish, right, or, or fill in any holes, then you have to work up front. And a lot of guys kill me online because they were like, Jim, all these football games are one up in the trenches. And I'm like, yes, that is very, very true. If you watch, uh, what's his name, Chris Jones in the Super Bowl, absolutely right. wrecked that game, you know, and – uh, the same thing could be saying about uh, Philadelphia's Super Bowl one. Their defensive line, the rotation they had on that game was like insane. Right. But I, uh, but DJ Reader just extends the life of Geno Atkins. I think he's, I mean, it, it out of everything that I've seen go across my screen, and I kid you not, I don't think that's a better placement. Now, contract wise, we'll talk about some of these contracts a little bit later. It's a little pricey. Uh, but for the fit, I don't think that's a, I don't think there's a better fit. Now there's some guys out there now like Everson Griffin or whatever. I, I've I've said this a couple of times. I said I hope he doesn't go with the Ravens because to me, like that's a fit. You know, like he fits everything that they want to do. And the uh, Matthew Judah on the other side now has relief. Like not to get into the Ravens. This is a Bengals podcast, but the fit for Reader maxed up with Geno. It's just amazing. It's, those are some of the things that we were talking about in the offseason where I had guard is my number one thing, and I had defensive tackle. I kept on saying they don't have any defensive tackles that can play the three-tech where they can actually rush the passer at all. And DJ Reader paired up with Geno is just a beautiful thing. And I, and I think immediately, like week one, until teams start figuring out uh, different things that they can do to get away from them guys and probably go more so at like Hubbard or somebody like that. Somebody that that's pushing too far up, uh, you know, like Dunlap always starts hard. I think you're you're not going to see teams running in between the tackles at all early on. And, it, and they're going to wreck games until teams start figuring it out. And that's what leads me into like Josh Tupo's got to be amazing this year. Um, and guys like, um, what's the kid, Brown? Andre Brown, Andrew Brown. Brown, like he's got to, these guys got to step up. Glasgow's got to stay healthy and they got to look in a draft for fifth round for another guy because, right. because the rotation has got to be like, we're, if we're converting to this three, four, like reader, Gino Dunlap, you know, uh, standing up sometimes you might see, you know, like in, in Hubbard kicking inside sometimes maybe, which I, he doesn't do that well. in. I just, it's a great fit. It's it's amazing, and and if you're a Bengals fan listening to this, and you're questioning the money, this is the this is what happens in free agency. You gotta go get your guy the same way we're saying go get your Joe Burrow, and the cost will take care of itself if the guy produces the way that he's supposed to. It'll look like chump change if he's if he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. Right. So for those listening and may not have uh, seen how much the contract is, it's a four year, fifty three million dollar deal. Um, it makes him the number one highest paid nose tackle. So not only do the Bengals get a guy that's out of the norm, they're also making this guy the highest paid. So you can't say that the Bengals are cheap. You can't say that, you know, they're not willing to go out on the limb. This guy's 25 years old. Um, to me, honestly, I'm going to stick behind the statement. I think that this might be the biggest free agency signing that the Bengals have ever had in the Mike Brown era, at least. Um, you know, I not, think not even close. The only other guy that I, I'm sorry, because only other other person I looked this up that came close is Antoine Odom and maybe right. like Bobby Williams. But Bobby Williams was just a good signing, and he right. ended up being good. Right, exactly. So I think I think the fact that this DJ Reader guy, you know, from doing some research, my end, and when I say research, primarily looking at some of the metrics that we have, which we'll get into that later this week. Uh, but also just looking around and, and checking in with guys from Houston, like fans from the team um, that were extremely disappointed that they lost DJ Reader. Just looking at guys on his team, such as J.J. Watt and guys speaking out, talking about, 
you know, how much of a role this guy really played in the defense. Like when you hear nose tackle, you might not think that much of it unless you actually played football before. So you might look at his numbers and, you know, it might not look like something that's going to pop out to you on the chart. They're not going to get a lot of sacks and stuff like that. But this guy impacted the game on an elite level when you look at some of the scores that are out there. So I think that this is an amazing um, move for the Bengals, especially when you've got Geno Atkins. And it seemed like last uh, season when we kind of started this off, when they kind of flirted with Gerald McCoy, they kind of had a commitment of getting somebody next to Geno Atkins, which I think was perfect because as me and them have talked about before on this, um, Geno has lost some effectiveness, at least from his prior years. So in order to make him a better asset and to make him more effective, you have to get a guy like DJ Reader right next to to him that allows him to take less snaps and be more effective because as I stated earlier, you can't double team both of them. You got to pick one or you got to pick your poison. And I think like Zim said, the reason I really like this too is because it directly affects the run game. Now, a lot of people talked about, Hey, we need to get linebackers, myself included, but how do you do that when you strike out with most of the linebackers that are out there on the free agency mark? you go and you get you a nose tackle because that still stops the run. That still makes it harder for teams to run against you. And for me, I thought that, me personally, I think that this is a direct response to the Baltimore Ravens, the type of team that they are. They like to run uh, between the tackles. They like to run on the outside. And I think that this helps us better defend against um, – that running attack. I think that it really helps us um, in numerous assets of the game. Um, so with DJ Reader, I really love that pick. Uh, moving on to the second one, which most people were lukewarm on, they went ahead and uh, signed Trey Wayans from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he's a left outside corner. Um, this one kind of shocked me, to be honest with you, because the Bengals, not only did they spend money, but they went after some expensive positions because when you look at free agency, most of the expensive positions, your quarterbacks, your wide receivers, your corners, your defensive ends, I did not expect them to go out and get a corner. So this kind of shocked me. Um, but Zim, what were your thoughts on the Trey Wayne signing? I, 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 unlike the last deal that we were talking about with DJ Reader, I don't like the fit for the Trey Wayne's deal. Um, it does still excite me that they spent money. Um, if you guys – Excuse me. If you guys are under a rock um, or just didn't know, um, he signed a deal for 42 million. It's a three year deal. So that's that's a guy coming from Mike Zimmer's system. I don't know if that has any relevance whatsoever. Uh, moving on uh, to our system now with Lou Anarumu. Um to coincide with this deal, they released BW Webb, so that that gave them a little bit of cap space in that regard. And then Darquez Denar signed with the Jaguars, and we'll get into the slot part a little bit later. But this is a five foot ten guy. Um, he he, uh, pretty much the one thing I do like is that he came in um, under Terrence Newman. Terrence Newman pretty much uh, taught him everything. But this past year, he gave up a, a ninety point two passer rating. Um, his whole career, he's only had two interceptions, four and a half sacks. Uh, he's he's 26, year, 26 years old. So a lot of people, and we'll talk about this part too, a lot of people have been talking about Drake Kirkpatrick as a possible cut. Um, there's been a lot of people that have been reporting now after you know hearing us talk about it or me, or maybe me hint at it, and now that they're – treating this as though they have a source or something like that, that is saying Drake Kirkpatrick, in fact, is staying around with the team. For my source, I understand that it has been told to him that he is staying. And with that being said, they both play left corner outside. The only thing that I can equate it to is that, so if you are listening to this, I don't count on a Drake Kirkpatrick release or trade. I'm putting that out there like, from a very, very reliable source, that that is not happening. Anybody else is probably telling you that they have a source, they probably heard it from me or just read something from me. But with that said, I just don't think the fit is there unless you're just saying I need a depth piece because for sure, William Jackson III and for sure, Drake Kirkpatrick aren't playing 16 games. And then you could probably figure out a way to kind of rotate Dre into a safety type of role. But if you did that, what happens to Jesse Bates? And that's where it gets really tricky to me. So it's to me, it's just like an all-out battle. And 
uh, as my sources told me too, Dre uh, and William Jackson are prepared to compete. And they're they're not looking at this as Trey Wayne's is coming in and starting. Like no, like the guys on the team right now are not believing Trey Wayne's is coming in and taking their job. And most of the the, the guys that I've talked to within the organization on the team have told me that they don't think that Trey Wayne's is better than Trey Kirkpatrick either. Now in run support, Trey Wayne's is absolutely better than Trey Kirkpatrick. Um, and, 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 and it's the same things, the same reasons why fans, I don't think, are in favor of Drake or Patrick. You might find the same thing if you talk to a Vikings fan. Double moves early on in his career. Ball skills are always a question whenever the ball is in the air. And Dre's always there, right? Trey Waynes, I've talked to some Vikings fans. He's always there as well. Um, and it's and it just it's the lack of interceptions and it's the lack of plays in in in. The one difference is he has less. He commits way less penalties than Dre. So for every game and a half, uh, Dre uh, commits one penalty on average. On every two games, um, Trey Wayne's commits a penalty. Uh, so I don't. I, it's not a big upgrade. And and to me, I feel like they're about they're the same guy. So one thing that I've been telling people to look at is this: people inside the organization have said that they didn't think that. Uh, William Jackson was engaged this past year. When they started to lose, that was a big thing. So most of our most of our fan base is hanging on to Antonio Brown shutdown. This is the Antonio Brown killer, William Jackson. Right? This past year, he didn't have a great year. And if you go look at the coverage numbers, just exclusively, Drake Kirkpatrick absolutely has better coverage grades in a lot of these different things. Now that's not saying much in some of these instances because. A lot of teams stay away from William Jackson. And moving forward, keep an eye on him because the Bengals are at a crossroads with William Jackson III. If he is locked down like we think that he is, then you have to pay that guy we're talking about next year. You're going to pay that guy 15 mil plus. And they got to figure out, is that the guy? And if he's not the guy, now training Wayne's is in place. Drake Kirkpatrick has two years on his contract. You can always go to the draft. And go get you another early round corner, which they love to do. I thought that Drake Kirkpatrick would be a good piece to trade for like a guard. To me, that's still in place. But as I've been told, that is that is not what they're trying to do. So anybody that's reporting that they're saying that Dre is going to get cut, not happening. That and if it does happen, quote, I quote, my sources told me it would be something crazy, a preposterous. Like that's how far fetched it is. Like it's a crazy but preposterous like circumstance that would lead to that. But I do think there are scenarios where they could trade him to get a guard. Him and I, I just think at this point though it, it is just a death piece, and we're looking at like high high coverage guys getting out of the. When we get to the second round of this draft, they're absolutely planning on another source inside the organization told me they're absolutely looking at trading down. And turning that into two different picks, and they ain't looking at corner no more, and they didn't want to look at corner at that spot. And the one position that I think is a sleeper for everybody, and it's just because it's so much depth with it, is wide receiver. But I don't think that they wanted to put their chips all in one basket and go and get wide receiver at number three thirty-three, and then you don't come back to what is it sixty-six or sixty-five or something right. like that. You don't want to do that and put all your chips in one basket. But why not just move down seven, eight spots, pick up another third round, go back later into the into that thing? You probably have the same exact board is what I've been told is is a realistic scenario because you got to think after day one, the guys that are falling down, their phones going to be ringing off the hook. So that, right. that and I've seen scenarios where teams are offering um God, like if you go on some of these sites, they kind of show you like the charts and stuff. I've seen some scenarios where they could turn that into three different. Uh, uh, fourth round picks, uh, get a late third. There's so many different scenarios with it, and they need bodies. So that's one thing that I'm quoting right now that you could quote from Zim Hude is that they're not staying at that number 33 pick. It, it would have to be Andrew Thomas or somebody of a high tier that had no business being right there that fell to them. And even still, I think they would still try to get out of that spot. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. 
but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you make some great points. Um, just to reel some things back in in terms of the Trey Wednesday, I know a lot of people have seen uh, some stuff out there. I actually got an uh, article here from Chris Rowling of uh, Sports Illustrated, the Bengals Wire. Um, and what he said is that essentially what this deal is is like a front-loaded deal. So essentially the only money that's guaranteed for Trey Waynes in this deal is $15 million. So although it, you hear the $42 million and all of that, um, $15 million of it is guaranteed. Um, and this is the thing. Even though he's technically getting $20 million in yearly cash um, in this first year, it's really only going to be a $10 million cap hit. So it's not like – 20 million in cap space is gone from the Bengals uh, cap space. So just keep that in mind. Um, he'll get a $2 million bonus if he's on the roster by the fifth, the fifth day of the league year of 2021, effectively guaranteeing that he sticks around. Um, but they also have an out built in where the Bengals can cut him before 2022 and only get $5 million in dead cap. So the Bengals were actually pretty savvy on this deal. It was um, something that they haven't done um, in the past where they front load this deal, uh, but it was smart of them to kind of get savvy on this deal. So it allows them some flexibility there with bringing Trey Waynes in. So just something to keep in mind. But as them said, the Bengals are definitely signaling towards keeping Dre as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they do this rotation with these guys in and out. Uh, we kind of saw them do a little bit of a rotation last year with Darius Phillips on the outside. Um, we've seen that. So we'll have to see how this thing plans out. But, I mean, I'm all about us getting as many corners as possible because it's a valuable position that affects the field in different ways. And that also leads into our second guy who's also in this cornerback room mix who cannot be an afterthought as well, which is Mackenzie Alexander, a guy in the slot. Um, Beautiful deal. Beautiful deal. That's really a guy that I really enjoyed. I think um, one thing that the Bengals upgraded on it was, I think, getting speed at the cornerback position, as well as guys that can tackle. McKenzie and Trey Waynes are both guys that are pretty consistent tacklers. Um, Zem, what are your thoughts on them signing McKenzie Alexander? I think that's the, the that's the deal of the draft. I mean, I said the draft. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that is the deal of free agency for us. To me, DJ Reader is the impact guy that I want. One, one, one quick thing about DJ Reader. One of my best friends, shout out to my man B-Bell. He's, he's now, he's with the Titans, but 
he uh, is the head athletic trainer um, when DJ Reader was first drafted, and now he's moved on to the Titans. But when DJ Reader was there, the reason why I was, I was so high on him, he said, man, it's this guy. They got him like – I think they got him in the fourth or fifth round from Clemson. He said, it's a guy that's killing everybody. And that's the only reason why I even knew DJ Reader. So I always followed him. So that just to give you insight, like guys inside the building – that are involved with sports are very high up on DJ Reader, the same way we are up on a Geno Atkins. So if you aren't familiar with DJ Reader because of J.J. Watt and Javion Clowney and stuff like that, Reader was eating, like killing guys. But going back to what you were saying, McKenzie Alexander, run support, no missed tackles, no penalties, all of 2019. That's all I need to say. The guy shorthanded. You talk uh, the all this talk about linebacker is very very relevant, and I'm not ignoring it. The same way a, a lot of people say, Zim, this reminded me a guy DM. He said it reminded me when you wanted to try to just poo poo and dismiss the offensive line. You're doing the same thing with linebacker now. No, I'm not. I just feel like there's other ways to to to. I I look at this like I'm playing the Ravens. I'm playing the Ravens and the Chiefs because I'm thinking Super Bowl. I'm at this point with 17s in the playoffs to me. If it's a good draft, it's playoff or bust to me. To me, it, it, it doesn't even – if you're going to do all that in free agency, this is what I was trying to tell Ace before they went and got DJ Reader. Normally and, – and I don't fault them. I like what they did. But normally you want to see that the quarterback proves what you're saying, what you think he's going to do. Then you go off. Then you start going getting them guys. And then you're going to see even next year, if Joe Burrow has a good year, you're going to see the Tom Brady effect. Guys are going to play for you for a lot less money. People want to be around you. It's like a superstar, like just being around like somebody famous. Like guys just want to play for that type of guy. Guys getting towards the end of their, their years, they're 31, 32. They're thinking like, man, where can I go where it's going to be fun to play um, and possible Super Bowl run, playoff run? And you'll have that benefit after year one. For them to say, I'm going to go get DJ Reader, Trey Wayne's spend a, a $95 million after day one. You're already signaling to the fan base that I don't care if y'all agree with the signs or not. You're they're sending out a message that we are not as cheap as you say we are. Uh, we we can still argue about that all every day because because that just them doing this one free agency doesn't solve their history and it doesn't even solve what they currently have in their face. But it says that they feel like they're closer than what the average person does. And Joe Burrow is the key to that. And I just think moving forward. If he has success, you're going to see free agencies ramped up like you've never seen before. But you need a little bit of success um, to make that happen. And just to go right into the next thing is is the guy, Xavier Suafilo. What did you think about that signing? Because a lot of people didn't like that one. Uh, it's three it's three years, 10 million. It's it's a cap hit of two million. Right. Uh uh, I think uh, it's got a dead cap head of three. It's only 333,000. So some people, do you think he'll start? Do you like the deal? How do you feel about that one? Cause that's the next move that they made. I do kind of have mixed feelings about that one. Uh, I think that he's a boomer bust kind of player uh, because he's got a lot of athleticism. So from what I've read about him, he's a very athletic guy, but as we know, that doesn't always transition to, uh, being a great guard in the NFL just because you're athletic. Um, so for me, it was it was kind of a meh kind of signing. It was just kind of like cool. Like to me, it was almost like they pretty much replaced John Miller with John Miller, in my opinion, just a way more athletic version of him um, in terms of the level of the player, in terms of talent. Um, now, he has had some instances where he came in as a reserve for the Cowboys was able to do his thing, um, but he also had some bad years with the Texans, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which um, which Xavier shows up for training camp and dur during the season. If he can be that consistent guy um, that showed flashes like he did with the Cowboys in, in several different games, I think that that's good. But my expectations aren't really high. I think that this is a guy that's going to come into um, into camp probably competing at the right guard position with Billy Price. Um, probably would beat Billy Price. And unfortunately, so for some reason, they love Alex Redman. Uh, so I, so oh at, no. at this moment, it seems like that's like the three-way kind of race there. Um, but that is not 
that to me really isn't isn't solving our issue at right guard. Uh, if I'm looking at it right now, the short answer is I don't think that it really solves the issue at right guard. Um, puts a little Band-Aid on it, but I think that it's an overflowing dam about to bust that Band-Aid right off. That to, and, and just going into the numbers, I, I just took the next step because on the surface, it's a three-year, $10 million deal, right? That's what everyone's been saying, and they're like, well, why would the Bengals pay them more than what he's been getting paid all this time? Uh, uh, all this time, right? But let's go through the numbers. He has a base salary of one million dollars. He has an average salary of three million. And this is another thing too. He only has a guarantee. Uh, he has a total guarantee at signing of one million dollars. A guaranteed signing bonus of one million dollars. That is not. A, that's not a contract uh, date. That's not a cap hit. He's got three years. The, the contract is really within the course of three years. Is nine million dollars. But he has a base salary of one million. Now this deal in is the exact opposite of the uh, Trey Wayne's one is backloaded. So after year one, they have an out of uh, it's 2.6, but it's a dead cap hit of only 666,000. If he performs like they think he can, then 2021, he gets 2.5, 2022, he gets 2.7. So it's not starter money. Everybody's been saying like, and they've written it yet. Jeff Hobson has written it. Like he's the, He's the starter. Uh, what's the other? What's the other guy that works for them now for Cincinnati.com? Um, Dan Horton. What's the guy? Uh, <laughs> and then put some hand sanitizer on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> what is the guy? Yeah, I'm just like keeping my hands clean of every. It, so it's not Dan Horton. No, uh, what's uh, Tyler Dragon? Oh, they've yeah. all they've already written as though it's a foregone conclusion. This guy's starting. That's not starter money. That's not Bobby Hart money. That's not any of that money. He's competing against somebody. I think the board, when I look at these mocks, the board just does not set up for a guard, though. Like, it's always a tackle that I feel is at a key spot right there that maybe you early on could move him to guard and, and, and see how that plays out. And I like that concept, but the board just does not work from a draft standpoint. And to me, if the Bengals are really thinking playoff or bust, it has to be – everyone's thinking about Dalton. This is a good segment, a segue into Dalton. Everyone's thinking about Dalton in terms of draft picks. I'm looking at Dalton now in this standpoint, and this is something I was thinking about earlier today. Bengals need to take on – this is something we weren't thinking ahead of beforehand. Bengals might need to take on some of the, the, the cap ramifications of Dalton's salary. So instead of 17, they take four – Four million of that hit because they need the cap relief. Hold on, and trade Dalton for a player, and not and not try to get a a, a draft pick because it's very clear nobody's giving them better than a four. They need to get something. They need to go get a guard or something on the last year of his contract, and that's the only way I can see Dalton getting moved for anything. I don't think there's a team out there that's going to take on his or that's going to take on that salary. Go ahead, Ace. So when you said that, um, word is circulating on Twitter. There's no sources being dropped or anything. I think our our worst nightmare could be a possibility. Given that the Andy Dalton market has kind of fell off, there is a tweet from Stripe City. Um, this is Stripe underscore City. This is not me. This is a good friend of mine. We just happen to have similar names. Um, he's saying that according to some of his sources, the Bengals aren't interested in releasing Dalton or Drake Kirkpatrick. So this is my first time hearing that the Bengals are not interested in releasing Dalton. I don't know how much weight to put with this, but, but the fact but, that but the, same, but the same people that are saying that, Jeff uh, Hobson before was saying, if you go back and look at their articles a month ago, the Bengals didn't want Dalton in Burrow meeting. That was that was written by Bengals.com. So people that are writing that today, I feel like that's smoke screens for Patriots made their move. They, Brian Hoyer was their move. Let's take away your leverage. Okay. And we're now we got Hoyer and we got Stidham. Yeah, now drop off Dalton so we can go pick him up for the low ski. Because we're the Patriots. We weren't going to give you – the Patriots are not going to give you a six or seven. I'm pretty sure they offered a fifth, six, seven, and the Bengals said no. So now it, 
I feel like Bengals are now putting this crap out here now that the Bengals, oh, we're going to roll with Dalton. But it's been written two or three times. And I want to pull this up for y'all, like, but I just don't have enough time. And I'm so mad I didn't. But that it was written that they don't want Dalton to even step foot in the same building as uh, uh, the potential first-round quarterback, whether it's Joe Burrow or Herbert or whoever the hell you're talking about. So I, I, I feel like that's a smoke screen and that's poo-poo. No, I have to agree with you. I hope that it is because that would be my worst nightmare. Sorry, guys. I got some background noise <laughs> coming in. We've got coronavirus going on, so the kids are home. But I have to agree with them. Um, man, if – That's I'm, not I'm, just I'm wishful just, thinking. That's not just wishful thinking. This is, like, right. really, like – that's toxic, bro. How could you have you, – you have a guy that's saying, I want to get traded because y'all don't want to start me. And the people that are out here that are talking this craziness, like, oh, well, maybe Dalton is a backup isn't the worst idea. Put on a goddamn film, son. Because right. he, he, isn't, he isn't even a good backup for me. I've just been trying to sell it off to some other chump that ain't been paying attention that's basing their whole premise on what they think of Dalton based on his history of him winning games in the past, which I've sued, I fell off of that train three years ago. But I'm just hoping I can sell that to some sucker that ain't watching the games. But people put on the tape, just like we did, and they look at every game he potentially throws five, six picks, but he walks out with two or three on average. He wouldn't start. No A.J. Green. There is no Dalton. And right. people know that now. And, and now moving forward, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. He doesn't. He said he wants to go somewhere where he, where he can start. Bengals need to start treating this dude like they owe him something. They pay him. He was compensated fairly. And he's a professional. He'll get over it. And and they need to get this dialogue of, well, we need to find a lot a soft landing spot for him, a soft spot so he can sit on his seventeen million dollars. Like, just take your seventeen and go somewhere. You're not going to be in the locker room feeding BS to a dude telling my guy how to uh, Joey B how to throw the ball away on third down and fourth down like some idiot. Like that's what you are to me. And you're a shell shock quarterback, and you're scared. And the people that are believing that he somehow could still sit around there with this toxic mindset of I should be the starter. I should be the starter, even though I'm garbage as hell. You guys are crazy. <laughs> as hell. You guys are crazy. And anybody that believes that he still belongs in the building is crazy as hell because you don't want that negativity in the positive landscape that we're now creating in this locker room. And, I, and, and to me, that's more important than the skill level. What the hell could Dalton tell Joey B about anything? And it sounds crazy. What can he tell him what to do? How to make Pro Bowl like eight years ago? What could he do? I don't know. And that's that's my point. It's just like I, I don't get how the how everyone's walking around thinking that this somehow could fix the problem. You need to go with your guys, and that's Jake Dolagala, who you made sure he didn't hit waivers. You let him compete against Finley. May the best man win. Go get your veteran quarterback. If you want to let him battle out Matt Moore or somebody like it. Well, I think he's going to cost a little bit too much. But you let him battle out, and, and that's your backup. But your backup is not a guy. Your backup under no circumstances is a guy that's saying that he wants to be a starter, is bitter about what's going on, and that toxic that toxic like mindset brought to like think about it he's not going to be telling joe joe burrow how to succeed and and they're like well won't we just restructure dalton's contract no 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 sorry um so some other uh sources out there which can't these aren't sources that me and them have talked to so um not somebody that you can put uh, with something that you would have to take with a full grain of salt um some uh some people are saying if the Bengals release Andy Dalton tomorrow, they'd have $40 million in cap space. So I think that there's some kind of timing on that in terms of his contract. Uh, but then there's also some stuff out there being said that the Bengals are looking at guys like Rashad Jones, um, Antoine Bethea, so two safety guys that they're looking at. Um, so, here, Whitehead was somebody that was on their radar, but he just signed earlier today. We're filming this on March 23rd. They also claimed Alec Ogletree as well as someone that they're kicking the tires on to see. And then um, the same guy also tweeted, and this is at Pro Football 411. He also tweeted something mentioning that the Jaguars were looking at Tyler Eifert. So 
Um, no idea on whether or not the Bengals are going to bring back Tyler Eifert or not, or whether they're actually looking at these guys. Um, out of those three, I think that I'd prefer Rashad Jones. I really liked him. Uh, I've liked him for years. I've wanted the Bengals to go after him for years. He is 32, so I'm, I'm not sure what level we're getting, but this is a guy that was at one time a Pro Bowl quality safety, plays at a high level. Would love to see him there. I think if you were to trade Clayton Fedulum for Rashad Jones, that would be a pretty damn good deal. Um, Fedulum was dropped. Right. Fedulum was signed away from us to the Dolphins. So he signed with the Dolphins. So what I'm saying is if we were to like, in a sense, quote unquote, trade for those two. Like, I got I'm, you. I got I'm, you. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that I'm, too. It's it's a couple guys. And um, like I said, to hear right here. Now a guy I was, I was really looking at, and this is uh, maybe a long shot, but I was saying this as XFL was going on, but the quarterback PJ Walker, as a camp body and and say like you got to think PJ Walker's agent is going to want him to go somewhere where he can compete for a shot. I always thought that he could, you know, like the the mobility of PJ Walker is a little bit of a higher level, and he probably doesn't see the field as much as Joe Burrow. But I think they could have figured out a role for him on that. But he signed with the Panthers earlier today. But you talk about a camp battle. Dolagala versus Finley and PJ. Um, that would PJ Walker would have been great for me. And I think PJ Walker probably would have been the, the guy that that probably would have went on the practice squad. And I would have liked that. But I think Dolagala is going to beat out Finley unless the and, and, and the Bengals have said this too, that they do not want they're not in the market to look for a veteran quarterback. That's one thing that they said that they weren't. So they're already telling us that they're going to go with the system guys that they already have in place, and that's Dola Gala and Finley. And people dismiss Dola Gala so much, but there's a reason why they carried Dola Gala all that time last season with a terrible roster when they could have put more linebackers in. Even even they dropped off uh, – I forgot who that was to make sure that they had um, uh, Farrell Cooper and stuff like that. They had Farrell Cooper, and, they, right. dropped, and they dropped guys. Instead of dropping Dola Gala, they didn't want to risk him going to waivers. So – they have value in him the same way that they value like Seaton Carter throughout this past year. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And if that's the that's the guy that I think is going to be the perfect backup to um, Joe Burrow and Finley, I know people are going to get caught up on the fact that they drafted him higher or whatever. But it, it is what it is, bro. Like I just think I don't think he's around. I really don't. Yeah, I think that he's definitely a French guy. Um, I got a question. Go ahead. What happens if this football season doesn't come up this year? Do we get the first round draft pick the year after as well? I would hope so. I I would hope that it would. That's a very interesting question. Say Um, the season doesn't happen. If the season doesn't happen, I would think that you would have to go with who previous, like the previous standings, but that would just be weird. Like, do these contracts just not happen until next year? Do these bonuses not get paid out? Um, That's a very interesting question. I would think that they would have to go with, you know, the last sample size that they had, which is the last season, because if you just mixed it up and let's just say they did like the NBA lottery or something and gave everyone a percentage chance, then you could end up having the Cowboys pick number one, and that would it would just be a disaster. Oh uh, my God! You know how sick I would be. To, uh, now I've researched this a little bit. The only time that I've ever seen this happen was the NHL did this one year, the year that they didn't have a season, and the Penguins ended up with Sidney Crosby the following year. Oh, and, wow. and also, I wanted to point out this fact too that everybody and, listened to is number thirty-three. Um, and, uh, and, as luck would have it. Uh, Xavier Celofio, C- or whatever the hell his name is, was drafted number three, 33. Just to point that out to people. So, like, if you don't know about his history or anything like that, he was drafted at the, at the same exact spot, first pick, second round, um, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, the Bengals also signed Mike Thomas, a wide receiver from the Rams, more, more than likely, probably just a camp body. Uh, Andrew Billings signed away with the Browns. Uh, I think Zim touched on Darquez Denard. Was there anyone else that we didn't mention that they got signed from the Bengals? Uh, Tony McRae signed with the Lions. Um, uh, He's hooking up with Braden McCombs. Uh, That's the one guy. We talked about Fedulum. Denard went to the Jaguars. Uh, Cordy Glenn, I haven't heard anything about him getting picked up yet. Um, Another reason, just to touch on the wide receiver spot, because somebody keeps asking me, like, 
Um, and believe it or not, this is on my uh, Bengals and Steelers page I have. If you guys don't follow that page, y'all should follow it. You ever want to just get some stress off? Is Zim underscore versus underscore Snoo Jr. S-N-U-J-R. But anyway, a guy on there said, y'all got so many wide receivers. Why would y'all be looking at wide receiver in the draft so early? And the reason was because John Ross is not – his his, his fifth-year option would have been uh, $15 million. That's more than any other wide receiver on the roster with the exception of A.J. Green with the franchise tag. But A.J. Green, non-franchise tag, isn't getting $15 million. So I, after this year, they're absolutely going to move on for John Ross. Also, a little birdie told me, look for John Ross and Billy Price as the two names that could possibly be traded on draft night or something like that. Because there are some replacements. I want you guys to look at uh, uh, Hamler from Penn State, and the other guy is uh, uh, Rager. I uh, forget where he plays at, but those are two guys that are super, super shifty, super, super four three speed. Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager, and, and 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 Hamler from Penn State. I've been watching KJ them. KJ Hamler, yeah. KJ, those are two guys that are quote unquote Brandon Cooks like to me a little bit in their route tree. I love what they do with the ball after uh, after catching it, and then they're not going to be afraid, and they're not shell shot like John Ross. I love them. I like John Ross after you know his his yak too, but right. it's just he got. I don't know if Marvin Lewis got in his head, or whatever, but he's not worth the money. And after this year, I just think that it, it's just one of them things. Unless, see, say he goes off, they didn't pick up his fifth year contract, so another team's just going to come and outbid us at that point. And I don't think John Ross is going to feel like he owes the Bengals organization anything. So to me, I that's a guy that I don't think is going to be there the year after. And then you don't know what AJ AJ Green is going to do after the franchise. So now you're down to just Tyler Boyd and a and a damn seventh round draft pick with uh, uh, Otten Tate. Right. Uh, so before, right? yep. No, no, I agree. I think they still have until next year to pick up his option because they just did that with William Jackson the third this year. Um, so right before we get out of here, one last thing I want to touch on are the remaining free agents. So it's pretty much the second wave going on right now with free agency. Um, some of the top guys out there, I mean, obviously the Bengals aren't going to probably go with Jameis Winston or anything, but you got Devion Clowney, you got Nikhil Roby Coleman, you got some guys out here that could potentially um, be looked at by the Bengals. You got some safeties out here, you got um jason peters is still out there i mean he is 38 so you have to take that into account um, and he's not tackle though right exactly so i don't really see that like the same pro football guy he was just giving his projections he projected jason peters but obviously he doesn't know that the Bengals have no intentions of moving jonah williams from left tackle to I anywhere kept on, else i kept on saying tremaine johnson uh the corner i kept mm-hmm. on saying him associated like three four people that i don't believe in on twitter but they're like semi-trusted names, or whatever. They kept on saying his name. I don't know why. And right. we and we're our corner room is snack because <laughs> the two-year deal that they gave the Winston Rose is it makes it so that if you're a free agent, I don't know why you will come to the Bengals. Like, right? There's right. no room for you. There's definitely no room. Josh Bonds has been a name connected with the Bengals, but before we get out of here, Zim, um, out of out of um, what you've seen with this second wave, who are some guys? Just mention a couple guys that you'd like to see the Bengals possibly sign. Everson Griffin. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I'm done with free agency. <laughs> I'm done with free agency. Get take me to draft. Give me some picks. Get like oh, give yeah. me give me give me multiple picks. I don't these guys, yeah, they're gonna fill in some guys and maybe they go get a linebacker. Like shit, they ah shoot. Uh they they could they could go get Thomas Davis, you know, like off of retirement for all I care, or go get Clay Matthews just to fill in. Like, hey, we do need a linebacker. Like, I wouldn't be mad at that. I don't even consider that like a real, you know, like there are going to be some bargain bin guys that they get. And I think that's what the Bengals are really, really going to kill it. And like right at the end, uh, that's why I, I really love the, the McKenzie Alexander deal. But I just don't see anybody that I think is a difference maker left out there. It's just bodies and depth to me. And but the one impact guy I see is Everson Griffin. And I don't know how they can make it work. But true good defensive coordinators make that work. Now, Everson Griffin, knowing how close he's been to getting a Super Bowl ring, 
I don't think this would be a destination he would want. I just don't want him going to the Ravens. I swear to you. I, I, I don't know how they figure it out, but they got so much money all the time to just sign whoever the hell they want. And I, that's a guy that's going to probably get like eight, nine mil a year or something probably. And they'll figure it out. I swear they would. I just don't want to see him go there or the Browns or something like that. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, it could be something where they even work out a trade with moving Matt Judon on and being able to grab from that way. Cameron Wake. That's a guy that matches uh, the Geno Atkins profile a little bit. They thought he was retiring. His agent has put it out there that uh, that uh, no, he is not retiring and he's ready. And he kind of, like, say Carl Lawson goes down, can't wait right on in there. Maybe not as fluid as he used to be, but that is a good person to fill in there. Also, I want to say this about Dalton to you, Dalton lovers. Paul Dana Jr. did report that he believes that uh, Dalton will get released. I just wanted to throw that out there. Gotcha, gotcha. For me, I'm going to go ahead and, of course, I would love to have Everson Griffin. Uh, but if not, if the Bengals just want to make some little splash, uh, low-cost uh, pickups that will bring some good value, um, a lot of people are forgetting that Ezekiel Ansah is out there. I'd love to have Ezekiel Ansah in. Um, you know, he's one season removed from Detroit and Seattle. Um, he, you know, hasn't had the best couple of seasons, but he wouldn't be bad for, I think, a low-cost pickup. You also look at Rashad Jones, as I talked about earlier. I think that he could be a guy that could help. Um, Tyler Eifert, I, I wouldn't mind re up in with Tyler Eifert for another year or so. What about Nick Vigil? You want him for a year? No, no, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a Nick Vigil fan. No? Honestly, honestly, it's funny that you said that because I've, I've been working on Prime, and for those who don't understand what Prime is, Prime is when I basically take the – draft data from past classes and kind of try to predict which guys will be good fits uh, for the Bengals and what they based off of like their past history and stuff. And I've seen got. some guys, I've seen some guys, I haven't finished the whole calculations, but I did see one guy and I was like, this is like Nick Vigil, but better. Like, and it was a guy that you could get in like the fifth round. So for me, from that standpoint, I wouldn't mind um, drafting two linebackers. I think I actually oh, saw Jeff Hobson sure. mention something like that. Of course. Why not just draft two? Because if it comes down to it, right, think about this. Would you rather have Nick Vigil and let's just say like Nick Vigil and I don't know, whatever linebackers that you have in the draft pick, or would you rather have, you know, that draft pick, Jermaine Pratt, and possibly Rashad Jones? I think I'd rather have Rashad Jones versus bringing Nick Vigil back. Like that Rashad yeah. Jones money could go to Nick Vigil. I'd rather, I'd rather take Rashad Jones. Or someone like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Jabal Sheard or, you know, any of those other edges that are out there um, that I kind of mentioned, Ezekiel Ansah, like I'd rather have those guys. And see, if you don't get a linebacker free agency, I think the route to go is this. You either move up and go get Patrick Queen if you are just that gung-ho on a linebacker. He'll be there late first round and possibly second. One guy I don't want, and I want the Bengals people to stop, to just, I've been watching, I watched, this is the one guy I did watch a lot of, Kenneth Murray. He does not want any smoke. I'm trying to tell y'all, go watch Kenneth Murray's highlight tapes. In space, he does not want smoke. I don't want that guy. The athleticism is there, but he's he's damn near, uh, what's the kid that we just let go and go to the Browns? Uh, You're talking about... um... He's on his third team now. He, uh, man. You know what I'm talking about. Drafted him in exactly the third. He's a, bum, he's a bum sandwich with extra cheese, and everybody was trying to figure out a way to keep him on the roster and stuff. And he and Kenneth Murray, I'm not saying it's that, but he doesn't want no smoke with none of that. None of that run game stuff. Like, that's not a guy that you want if you're so gung-ho on linebacker. And a quote that Paul Daner Jr. said from Zach Taylor is, Zach Taylor knows what he hates, and that's an offensive coordinator. Hates as an hates as an offensive coordinator, and it ain't a serviceable linebacker. So they're not looking for just somebody serviceable that's just going to fill in these daggone spots. They currently only have three linebackers on on the daggone team right now, and I've been preaching this all along. Hybrid safeties. You go Akeem Davis, Gaither, Willie Gay Jr. later on. And early on in the draft, if you're so gung-ho on linebacker, go Zach Bond or somebody that can put his hand, that can rush the passer and play linebacker. Go ahead, Ace. 
We were talking about Malik Jefferson. That's who we Malik Jefferson. And, and measurables wise, I don't know all of the numbers, but Kenneth Murray is going to probably look better than him by a little bit. But in the run game support, he doesn't make plays like I, I didn't see anything that suggests that he's a first round talent. And that's why I think he'll be sitting right there. And that's somebody. That's the exact reason why the Bengals could trade out of that pick. Because say everybody feels like I feel about Kenneth Murray. You could go down six, seven spots and the average college fan doesn't get it. They're like, no, nah, Kenneth Murray is lit. But in the NFL, I just don't see enough plays that I've seen thus far from a highlight standpoint or the two games that I watched that said anything that says that he's going to explode in the tackles. He's, right. he's not he's not right. showing up like that to me. And, and then if you're looking at that, now you need to start looking at Malik Harrison. That's a linebacker that's probably going to be there in the third. He's no different than Kenneth Murray. If you're listening to this, people, Malik Harrison is no different than Kenneth Murray. And I just don't want them to reach on linebacker and do a Billy Price just because they're so gung-ho on picking a linebacker. Go into this new scheme that we're talking. Coverage, coverage, coverage. Teams want to gash us in the run game. I find it hard to do it with DJ Reader and Geno right there or whatever. You're banking on that front side help, and then you're going to come downhill with hybrids like Akeem Davis Gaither Jr., or linebackers that can play safety, just like Jermaine Pratt was a converted safety. You're buying into that now. You go get a, a linebacker that can do 3-4 stuff like Zach Bond. If you really have to get a run defense linebacker type guy that has athleticism, then you go get like a Malik Harrison, guys like that. But to reach on linebacker would be devastating to me. And it's so many best player BPA guys that are going to be sitting there right there in the early part of the second round, whether you trade down or not that's going to fill in this void a lot better than 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 what you guys are kind of chasing. The guard spot, I just don't see it being there, though. The draft does kind of worry me. Yeah, the draft does worry me. I think I think the good thing about them going so hard at corner, though, is that it takes that off as a need. And, you know. But see, that was the very position that I thought it was going to be tremendous value right there in the early second. It's a lot of guys. It is, but I don't think that the Bengals really do well with picking guys outside of the first round. I, I Just from a historic standpoint, like when you think about some of the guys that they've taken um, in the past, going back all the way far to like Kiwan Ratliff and some of those guys, they just haven't, um, from Duke's Helvin standpoint, it just doesn't seem like that's been an area that they like to hit on. And it seems like they do better with those guys in the first round when you talk about the Leon Halls, the Jonathan Josephs of the world, the Drake Kirkpatricks, uh, the guys that they've gotten have been solid. But I think, I think the issue would have been when you get to 33, it's like, do you take the corner? Do you take the linebacker? Do you take the guard? There were too many question marks there. Like, do you take the offensive tackle? And I think that this at least crosses one of those positions off the list, right? Like, so we don't have to worry about corner now. Um, and, you know, we come back and we try to decide what that's going to be. Now, I think, like, if you said – that they want to move up or move down, depending on what they do. I think if a linebacker is there, I think that they're going to move up. Like you said, if, um, and I have to agree with you on Kenneth Murray as well. I was actually, like I said, I've been working on the linebackers for prime. I did not like his consistency. I did not like his grades uh, that he received from PFF. They were actually pretty bad. Um, so I think if there's a linebacker that falls, that's there, that shouldn't be there. Or if it's a guy like Anthony, um, Thomas or Andrew Thomas that falls oh. as the offensive tackle. You, you got to get him. 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 Because because if he isn't the the uh, uh, um, Bobby Hart replacement, then he, that's your right guard. And then now Xavier Celo Field is now uh, you know like your rotational guy at that point. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you have to you have to consider that because if Larry Mitunzel can start off as a guard just because there was so much depth and there wasn't anywhere to put him, um, you can do the same with a guy like Andrew Thomas for sure. Um, but in closing, I just want to say thanks, guys, for listening to the Orange is the New Black podcast. Um, don't forget to follow Zim Hude on Instagram at Zim underscore Hude. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Zim Hude. Uh, you can find me on YouTube uh, under the name New Stripe City. You can follow me on Twitter at New Stripe City. Um, be sure to definitely tweet us with your thoughts. We're we're definitely open to taking any feedback that you guys give or anything that you want to hear us talk about, anybody that you guys want us to bring on. Um, we are interested in looking into some new guests. Also, um, as Zim has said, I know with coronavirus going on, uh, you might not be able to go to 
the stores and stuff like that. But don't forget that we also have that promo going with Koch Sports. So um, definitely try to hit them up and uh, let them know that Zim and A sent you. Um, and be on the lookout for the Burrow Babies. It's an exclusive, <laughs> exclusive gang coming soon. Um, so exclusive, super, super rare. If you get your Burrow Baby shirt, you're super rare. Right, exactly. So a lot of people have been hitting, hitting them up to figure out. Um, you'll have to just be exclusive, man. You have to just be exclusive. Um, Zim, was there anything that you wanted to say before we get out of here? No, I want everybody to just make sure you're being safe. Uh, I just had some ribs. I made sure I didn't put my fingers in my mouth, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this is the Orange is the New Black Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our syndicates. Uh, Matt Minish's Talk Talk, the OBI Insider. Um, the Orange and Black Insider, I'm sorry, OBI. Um, be sure to check us out and look forward to hearing from you guys down the road. Turn on your turn on your post notifications for us, guys, because we're gonna be coming with some good stuff really soon. Who that? Who that? Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.